BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Traveling around Europe will make you feel like a homeless person if you don't show up with the hottest fashions. Well, the good thing is when I get back to the States, I'm throwing in a hot new order on JustFab.com. Which JustFab.com, Heather? I'm about to tell you, Claire. JustFab.com is a personalized style guide. All you do is go on the website, take a 60-second personalized style quiz. That's right, 60 seconds of your life, and then you end up with thousands of designs and styles. You can have, I'm talking clothing, handbags, shoes. Every piece is created and curated by Just Fab's in-house design team. They send you a whole list of things to choose from. I got these insane white boots. They're going to carry me through Christmas, through my birthday in March. They are so good looking. And you know when you're like, I want to try a hot new style piece, but I'm so afraid of the commitment and I'm so afraid of spending like thousands of dollars on a new pair of boots. I'm spilling the tea on Just Fab because I want you to be able to have amazing, chic, affordable, keynote here, affordable pieces. And it takes the guessing out of it. Just Fab's in-house design team picks everything for me and I'm obsessed with it. Listen, before I forget, Just Fab is offering my listeners an exclusive deal. Get your first Just Fab style for as low as $10 as a VIP. You sign up and literally you're getting your first just Fab Style, first low is $10. That's 70% off your first item with my special link. Just go to justfab.com backslash absolutely not to take advantage of this deal. Again, that's justfab.com backslash absolutely not. You can also get free shipping on any order over $39. And literally, there's no commitment when you purchase your first order. Again, it's justfab.com backslash absolutely not to feel like an Italian soap opera star and to the podcast. Welcome to the Absolutely Not Podcast, where we do the most and the least at the same damn time. I'm your host, Heather McMahon. Good morning. It's your host of the Absolutely Not Podcast. I'm Heather McMahon, reporting live obnoxiously from London, England, with this cheeky, very cheeky accent. And if you think it's a bad accent, go fuck yourself. All right, let's get into our episode live from London, England, Absolutely not. This is it. Lifestyles of the rich and famous. Robin Leach style. It's your girl, Heather. Here's the thing. Before you tell me I have a bad British accent, I don't. Okay. I'm just warming up. So I don't need your condescending judgment, Cheryl. Thank you. I am an artiste. Just a little side note before I get into probably one of the most traumatic episodes of my entire life. I mean, we've only done like 19 episodes of the podcast, but still, if you've been following along on Instagram, you know that I died almost 48 hours ago and I'm about to get into that story. But let me start real quick with the tips to a perfect British accent. So, you know, as a theater major, 
at the University of Mississippi, one of the top schools in the nation. Don't know if that's true. (laughs) Y'all, I am on the right side of the dirt. I am alive. I have never felt more alive in my life. I am connected to my body. I literally thought I was dying. So if this, if you think I was sassy before, the sassafras is about to get taken up to a whole new level. Because as far as I'm concerned, the Lord gave me maybe a fifth chance. So I'm ready to go. Don't come for me. Don't fuck with me or come for me and fuck with me. And I'll fuck with you right back. You know what I'm saying? That's right. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Real quick, the proper way to do a British accent for some of those haters, you might say, who were chiming in on Instagram is there's a pattern. So you say the words rattle, rattle, bing. So everybody in England says two things, rattle, rattle, very clear, concise. And then the last word bing is like dragged out. So for example, you might say, I'm recording a podcast. All right. In the States, we say, I'm recording a podcast. In England, they say, I'm recording a podcast. Do you see what I did there? Rattle, rattle, bing. You just say two things quick and then drag the last one out. We're going to do some shopping today. We're going to do some shopping today. Did you hear what I did there? Quick, quick, slow. Rattle, rattle, bing. My darlings. Anyways, I'm just letting you know how to do a British accent. I know sometimes I dip into the Australian. You just got to go up at the end of every sentence. But you know what? That's my truth. And if I like to do a little diphthong from one continent to the next, let me live my truth. It's wild to me. Y'all have been following along on Instagram. I'm dipping over here into this accent. I'm dipping over here into another one. And somebody's got to be like, sounds like you're from Liverpool. I'm from wherever the fuck I want to be right now. You want to know why? Because I didn't die on Thursday night. And I thought I was going to. And let me tell you, I've watched someone die physically was there in the room when my father transitioned to the other side of the rainbow bridge, which I know I think that's a thing that we just say for pets. We were like, they went over to the other side of the bridge, but I feel like my dad would have been with where all the animals were, you know, like fun. He was a animal lover. When I die, I prefer if you guys said that that's where I went to where all the cats and dogs went, I'm done. Humans are a lot. I've been entertaining you fuckers for quite some time now, and you don't give me much back. So when I pass, send me to the Rainbow Bridge. All right, I digress. I wanted to do a very up-to-date episode of the podcast because if you were following along, you know it was a shitstorm. Thursday, let's start from the beginning. So I'm in England. I'm visiting my three friends from Atlanta, Georgia. My two buddies, Hayden and Jared, and my girlfriend, Taylor. We're all friends from Atlanta. Taylor lives in LA. Hayden and Jared live in Atlanta. We're doing the most. We're dear old friends. I adore them. So this was a perfect transition. I was like, I'm going to come to England, do a couple of days in London because I haven't been here in a long time. And then I'm going to Italy. Perfect. Great. All set up for success. Now, In the week prior, I've had this weird gut feeling that something was going on. I think it's because I'm so stressed. I had a panic attack on my flight back up to New York on Tuesday. I'm really run down. I'm not really practicing self-care because I think with the energy coming off the tour, I'm in full entertainment mode. I'm in full, we got to crank this out. We're hustling. We're doing the most. Even my agent and manager were like, hey, You've been treating your career like you're a feral cat trying to climb out of like a shelter right now, but you need to take a breath and just like, let us do our job. But in my mind, because I've self-started everything, I'm just like, you know what I mean? I'm like, like a rat trying to break out of the subway, 
trying to pop open that manhole and break through, which is probably a control issue. But there's a lot of things going on. We're about to start the second leg of the tour. I'm changing a couple things up. I'm writing new material. Like I'm just focused on getting through the end of the year because I want to perform and I want to do the best job possible. But the problem is I don't know how to let go of the reins and just take a breath and go, all right, all right, we're in the zone. We're in the zone. We're doing it. So I had a little bit of anxiety coming into this trip and I don't really suffer from anxiety, but recently I have where I'm just like, when my plate is so full, I don't know how to like delegate and just take a step back. So I wasn't feeling great on Tuesday, but it wasn't the physical pain that I ended up going through on Thursday. I was just like having really anxiety and I felt like, oh my God, like, you know, when you, you feel like somebody's sitting on your chest, that's kind of how the way I felt all day, Tuesday and Wednesday. But I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Maybe it's just a little chest cold. We're good. We're good. Here's the deal. Woke up Thursday morning, totally fine. Woke up at 6 a.m., felt a little itchy, you know, unwell. Hold on, getting a sip of water. That's the first lesson in self-care. Hydrate the fuck out of yourself. If you think you've had too much water, you haven't had enough. You know what I'm saying? Although I kind of have a debate about water, side note, because I'm so ADD. Our ancestors couldn't get to fresh water. That's why they drank wine. So why am I required now to drink so much water? You know, I believe in creation, but I do believe that we've evolved as humans since that. But why am I required to drink 65 gallons of water? I am thirsty all the time. We have talked about this on Instagram. We've talked about this in standup. I'm the thirstiest bitch. I'm so thirsty. I'm dehydrated to the point where like my skin is falling off because I'm so dry. Why? Why am I not lubed up with the Lord? Do you know what I mean? Why I am lubed up internally with the spirit and the presence of Christ. But I also feel like, why do some people survive off black coffee and a glass of Beaujolais like my mother? And then I'm the person over here who's chugging Gatorade because I can't get enough electrolytes. God, it's a magnesium deficiency. Anyways, I digress. Back to the story. So Thursday, I woke up really early, was getting a bunch of shit done, was like power throughing. I was decluttering my house. I was packing. I was like feeling good. At about 1 p.m., I went to go get my eyelashes done and something kind of hit me. I started to get this weird pain down the front of my leg. Like literally imagine like the center ball of your crotch, like a shooting pain down the front of my leg and that wrapped around in my back. Now, here's the thing. I've had ovarian cysts before. I've had a lot of problems recently. I got off birth control like three years ago and that's when cysts started to happen. And I don't want to hear it. People are like, you shouldn't be on birth control. I was on it for 12 years, didn't have a fucking problem. I got off of it and my body started to unravel. Do I think putting hormones in your body is terrible? Yes. Will we all get some form of breast cancer? It's like one in four. And I talk about cancer openly because my dad passed of cancer. So I'm like, we're all fucked. And I just say that in a way that's like, statistically, honestly, buckle up, Betty. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to be glass half full, but I quit using aluminum in my deodorant because I didn't want to get into my pores. So I'm doing all the necessary things. But my cyst started to get so bad, I had to get back on birth control. I didn't want to go on it, went on it begrudgingly, but honestly, I started to feel better. Well, I thought that it would clear up my cyst. I said, at least I'll do it for like a year and a half. Then when I pop out a baby, your sister's supposed to go away. So I thought the pain that was happening on Thursday, I just thought it was like normal menstrual. I'm about to start my period. I was like, oh, this is just like kind of that warm up, you know, where you start to get a little crampy in the back. You're like, I'm not feeling that great, but it was weird. It was such a deep, deep, I'm talking like not in my colon. It was such a deep internal, almost like twisting of my body. I thought this is weird. I've had sciatica before, which is where your piriformis, like the nerve or your piriformis muscle, it just like cuts off circulation to your leg and your leg goes numb. I was like, it's not that. But I was kind of like pushing through it. And I will tell you this, I have learned more about myself. I have learned more about listening to my body. I'm a fucking warrior bitch. 
I would have been right next to Khal Drago in Game of Thrones. I would have been right next to Marie Antoinette at a ball busting down Tatiana. I'm not going to say that men are not as strong as women, but what I experienced on Thursday brought me down to a human humble level that I know if Jeff was in the same position and this was like something with his penis, he would have just ripped his dick off at one point and just like thrown it out the window. You know what I mean? He could not have handled what I went through. Since I've been on the road, you know, jet setting all over Europe, I am so glad that I have my sleek, sophisticated, trustworthy is the key word here, away luggage. When I go away, I take away. Here's the deal. You know what? I've tried it all. I've truly tried every single bag you could ever imagine. And it's just not the same until I found a way. It's thoughtful luggage for modern travel. I got the largest carry-on size and has like a durable shell that's just made to last literally a lifetime of travel. It has a hundred day trial that lets you try any away product on the road. Truly, take it out for 100 days. Let them know what you think. It's got a limited lifetime warranty. That means they'll fix or replace your bag if it ever gets damaged. I put stickers all over my bag so I can see it coming from a mile away. And honestly, the durable hard shell just helps me when I'm going on a turbulent flight to Toledo. I know my bag's not going to fall apart. It's got built-in compression pad that helps you pack more in. Because you know, girl likes to stuff. I got to pack in a couple faux furs. You know what I'm saying? I got a lot of stuff in my bag. It's got four 360 spinner wheels that guarantee a smooth ride. Nothing is worse than you're trying to like get through that Charlotte airport and there's carpet everywhere. Don't worry. With a 360 spin, you are going to be able to jet set and travel in style. I have an exciting offer for all of my Absolutely Not podcast listeners for $20 off a suitcase. That's right. You heard me right. Two zero off any away suitcase. All you have to do is visit awaytravel.com backslash absolutely not and use promo code absolutely not during checkout. Again, all you have to do is go to away travel, A-W-A-Y travel.com backslash absolutely not and use my promo code absolutely not during checkout for, yes, I said it, two zero twenty dollars off a suitcase. I truly cannot tell you how much I love this suitcase. I want to buy the whole set. It's an investment. I am going to do the most on the road and know that I've got the best bag because my things are valuable and don't let anybody else tell you different. Away travel.com backslash absolutely not. Use promo code absolutely not for $20 off. Okay. So here we go. So it's Thursday. I'm getting my eyelashes done. I then go to a nail appointment. I'm just like feeling some type of way. I call my girlfriend, Mary Beth, we're FaceTiming. I'm like, Mary, something didn't feel right. And she's like, listen, Heather. And literally I almost blame Mary, but I don't, because even if this would have happened in the States, it still would have fucked up my whole plans. Like we're here, we're alive. I was like, Mary, I don't feel that great. And she said, listen, don't change your flight. You can look to change your, your flight, but won't you be pissed if you spend thousands of dollars to change it. And then you're still in the same position in like a couple hours. I was like, yeah, you're right. And I was starting to feel pain where I was getting a little cross-eyed. Like I couldn't really, like I had blurry vision. You know what I mean? I was seeing Reba McIntyre when I popped into Whole Foods to get some power bars. Like she was just looming in the aisles. I was like, is that Reba? Is that fancy? Or am I just feeling some type of way? But then I would literally just like pinch my skin and be like, okay, you're fine. This is weird. This is a weird menstrual or like, and I thought it might be ovarian related, but I was like, "Mm, I'll be fine. So Jeff comes home from work at about five. I start feeling significantly worse. Yet again, though, blurry vision, but I'm like, I'll be fine. I'm a bad bitch. I'm used to this. It's just going to come and go. Jeff goes down to the bodega. I said, Jeff, I need you to get me some Advil. I can't find my Xanax. Of course, the one time you need Xanax, you can't find it. And I don't like to take Xanax because I like to be clear minded. 
but I can't find it. So I'm sweating. I'm panicking. Um, my eyes are crossing. I send Jeff down to the bodega. Let's, let's talk about another problem with Jeff. He goes down to the bodega to get me Advil. He brings back a single serving pack. There's two little nuggets of pain relief and a fucking plastic pack. He comes back like he's fucking Winston Churchill, a hero of the war with these two little things. I looked at him and I said, if you want me to marry you, if you want me to ever get anywhere close to your Grundle again, go back downstairs to that bodega and bring me back a full size serving of Advil. I mean, he came up to the apartment beaming, beating his chest like, I'm, I'm saving you, honey. I said, what is this cheap ass bullshit? Absolutely friggin' not. Bring me back. You send a man to do a job and you got to finish the job yourself. So I scream at him. He comes back with the full serving of Advil. I take two and I'm like, all right, I'll be fine. I just need a little relief. It's probably menstrual related. I'm going to be fine. It's weird. It's really going down my leg, but I'm fine. I get to the airport. I'm kind of trucking through. Adrenaline kicks in. We're doing our thing. We're doing our thing. I'm sitting in the Virgin Atlantic lounge, Delta Loyal, booked my flight through Delta, but the flight was operated through Virgin Atlantic. Obviously we're flying to London and I'm sitting in this gorgeous lounge and I'm like, I don't feel great. Maybe it's a kidney stone, but if it's a kidney stone, I do know that it has to pass on its own. I'm like, I'm still finding it on this flight. I'm still finding it on this flight. I chug two glasses of Chardonnay, have a little vegetable curry. I'm like, we're going to be fine. I get on the flight. I'm sitting next to this like this guy named Chris. And he's talking like this. He's from Brooklyn. He's a white dude, tatted up. He's a photographer going uh, to England to do a shit bra, to do a shit. He's on edibles. Swear to God, first thing out of his mouth is, what's up? Feel good? Take an edible. Let's buckle up, baby. And I'm like, fuck me up right now. I'm not ready for this. But I'm like, okay, he'll sleep. We'll be fine. Now, this is the first lesson I learned. One, should have not been a cheap bitch, should have upgraded to a pod. I was in premium economy, which is essentially business class, still a $2,000 ticket, but I was the first row right next to the door. I could see all the pods. You know what I mean? That was like the first dick tease from the Lord where I'm like, I can see my future, which is being in a first class ticket. The first class tickets were 6,000. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do that. Taking a red eye to London's kind of a little bit of a tease, if you will. It's only a six hour, five minute flight. So you can't really get a full night's rest. Even if you were to take an Ambien and be asleep while someone is dragging you onto the airplane and they buckled you into your pod, you're not getting a full six hours of sleep. So really you're going to show up to England exhausted anyway. So like, what the fuck are we even doing here? So I was like, whatever. I cheaped out. I got the premium economy. I can see the pods. Little did I know about an hour and a half later, I'd be in a makeshift pod that the Virgin Atlantic staff made for me in a galleyway next to two emergency jump seats and the porta potty. Okay. All right. So here we are. We take off. I start this warming, hot lava, like ball of, of pain that is so deep inside my lower back. It's not muscular. When I say it's inside my womb, that is the only way to describe it. It starts reaching around my back almost like it's wrapped. Like I want you to imagine you just put an ace bandage around the back right side, all the way around to your front, like right in front of your fupa. You know what I'm saying? And it just starts to satiate. It's sending it like a shoot of pain down the front of my leg, like satiating, just like throbbing 
into my groin. You know, when you can feel your heartbeat somewhere and it's constant, it's just radiating. I'm like, oh fuck, this is starting to get crazy. So I start standing up and then I'm like, it hits me. It hits me so hard. When I say I have a high pain tolerance, I've lost the tip of my finger before they've put it back on. I've fallen down a flight of stairs. I've had periods from hell. I mean, I've been through some shit. I'm actually having like, I'm sweating in this hotel room right now. I have PTSD from what I actually felt. On a scale from one to 10, I can honestly say I was at a 16. So I start getting that feeling where you're like, oh my God, I can't control this. I stand up, I start walking through the galley and I'm just kind of panicking. I'm like, this is happening. So my first gut reaction is it's gotta be my appendix because even when I've had an ovarian cyst, I've had a smaller one rupture before. It's excruciating, but it's in a way that like, it wasn't like this. It was not like this specific pain because it would hurt and then would go away. This was constant. It's like, I couldn't catch my breath. If I even took a breath in, I could feel it just getting even deeper. So I finally, we're like an hour into the flight and I'm like, I got to say something. And I'm like, Heather, listen to your gut. Now, mind you, I texted my mom before he took off. I said, mom, something's feeling a little weird. She said, get off the flight. Don't do this to the staff. I should have listened to my mother. But I said, I was being a hard ass thinking I'm going to be fine. I'm a warrior bitch. I've got this. My mom, who worked for the airlines, my entire family worked for the airlines. My mom's like, Heather, you know, if you're in a cross mid-Atlantic flight, there's nothing that they... (laughs) They can't turn around. So finally, I look at a stewardess. I still call them stewardess and I'm sorry. All right, you know what? I know you're a flight attendant, but I like saying stewardess. I think it's like a sweeter word. I look at the helper, the flight attendant, and I say, hi, ma'am. And she's this beautiful British girl who has like the most beat face of makeup you've ever seen. I'm telling you, she called Huda Beauty, Anastasia Beverly Hills. She's like, come do my eyebrows and do a glitter eye. This bitch's makeup looked on point. So as soon as she like looks up to me and we make eye contact, I'm like, you're a fucking sweet British cherub woman who has drag makeup on. How the fuck am I about to tell you that I think I'm dying? So we're already up Shit's Creek without a paddle. I look at her and for a second, like that was the only pain relief I had had in like an hour and a half. I was like, oh my God, you look so pretty, (laughs) ma'am. And her name was Chelsea. Thank you, Chelsea. So anyways, I look at Chelsea and say, hi, Chelsea. I'm so sorry. And of course, as women do, we just apologize. I said, no cause for alarm. I don't want to get anybody alarmed. There's no worry, but I think I might be dying. I said, I think my appendix is ruptured or I have a kidney stone. Can I come up and sit with y'all and maybe get some oxygen? They're like, yes, absolutely. Oh my God. So they bring over their manager and a manager on a flight is called, I believe, either a purser or a bursar. Purser, the purser. I think I'm right. So this other woman, so lovely. I believe her name was Emily. Emily comes up. She's like, all right, what's going on, doll? Okay, so you have pain radiating from your back. All right, did you, have you eaten anything? I was like, no, I haven't eaten anything. She's like, all right, I'm gonna sit you down. So I started describing the pain to like six of these women in the front. So they, they dragged me through first class. I'm in the front galley. So they put me on oxygen. As soon as they put me on oxygen, I'm on it for 10 seconds. I'm like, I'm gonna be sick. I'm gonna be sick. I run to the bathroom. I projectile vomit everywhere. When I say I projectile vomit, I mean- Like we have now sprayed the entire room. Mind you, I'm in my fabulous Old Navy outfit, my brand new sweats that look chic as fuck. I've got brand new Adidas on. I went with it. I found the pair that made me feel like a bad bitch. My Adidas covered chunks everywhere. That's when I knew something was seriously wrong when I was in so much pain that I was barfing. I haven't barfed in like 10 years. Well, let me tell you, your girl made up for lost time. So I puked everywhere. Well, what did I do? I pump a bunch of soap on three paper towels and I start wiping down the walls. So they're banging on the door. They're like, ma'am, are you all right? Are you all right? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting sick. I'm fine. And they're like, do you need us? I'm like, I'm okay. But mind you, I'm wiping down the walls because I'm like, this is the first class 
lavatory. I'm not going to have the captain come in here. And then he sees who sprayed down the friggin' walls. So I'm mortified. So I've just vomited three times and I'm still cleaning the place up. You want to know why? Because I'm an A plus fucking citizen. And if you go into a bathroom, even after just taking a light tinkle and you don't wipe down the bathroom the way I did, you're done. You're fired. Go fuck yourself. Absolutely not. I'm still courteous to my fellow airline passengers when I'm fucking dying. Riddle me why y'all still taking off your shoes and putting your feet on the bulkhead, bitch. All right. So I've just projectile vomited everywhere. I come out and they're like, we've caught, and I hear them making the announcement like, ladies and gentlemen, we're so so sorry to bother you, but we just want to see, is there a doctor or medical professional on board? No cause for concern, but if there is, please make your way to the front galley. And I'm like, this is it. This is it. They've done it. They've now called a doctor on board. I have been on flights and trust me, I know doctors are like, I'm not fucking getting up. I'm not getting up for my pod. I'm comfortable. And this sweet woman named Rachel, Rachel comes up. Now, this is a nurse who could not have been kinder. What I'm about to tell you, this is where the part of the story gets ridiculous. Rachel comes up to me and I look at her and said, hi, these are my symptoms. This is what's happening. I'm, of course, already self-diagnosing. I'm like, it could be my appendix. It could be a kidney stone. I've never had appendicitis or a kidney stone. I do suffer from ovarian cysts. I don't know what's happening. Now, mind you, I literally walk out of the bathroom and I'm like, can I please get a cup of tea? Because I just want something to like refresh my fucking vomit mouth. First thing Rachel asks is, are you pregnant? Could you possibly be pregnant? Now, and I look at her and I go, no, there's no way I could be pregnant right now. I'm on birth control. I've had a normal period. I track my cycle. We're good to go. No, no, no. All right. Okay. So she turns around and I'm sitting now in the jump seat. She turns around, looks at the other stewardess. I think she's pregnant. I think she's pregnant under her breath. And I'm hearing this, but I'm choosing just to ignore it because I feel like I've taken more pregnancy tests in the last month because I had to go to the hospital two months ago for the same thing. And everybody just automatically thinks you're pregnant. So Rachel turns to, I believe, Emily, who's the head bitch in charge on the flight. She goes, oh, I think she's pregnant. So then Emily leans down to me. She's like, hi, Heather, have you ever heard of an atopic pregnancy? And I said, yeah, I know what that is. I had a friend who had one. She goes, right. So I think there's a baby in your fallopian tube. Could there be, do you think there might be a little child in your fallopian tube just tied up there like a little pig in a blanket? And I looked at her like, well, bitch, if there is, get it the fuck out of me. I was like, let's get this, let's pop this cherry and fucking go. So I look at her and say, hey, I shouldn't be pregnant. If I am, how the fuck would I know? Also, too, I'm pretty sure since all of my friends have had children, this doesn't happen to you when you're pregnant. So Emily turns to Rachel, the nurse, and is like, no, I think it's atopic pregnancy. I think that's what it is. I think she's got a little baby in a fallopian tube. Could be trapped. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like a little kitten in a cage. Like they're like having a cheeky conversation, but it's still sort of serious. And I'm like, no, there's not a fucking baby in my fallopian tube right now. And if there is, this just fucking came on all of a sudden. It's either my appendix, a kidney stone, or literally my ovary is falling out of my body. So then what they do is they make me this pallet right in the galleyway. I'm like, do you guys have somewhere I can lay down? Of course, all the pods are full. My mistake, I could have been in my own pod, but I was a cheap bitch. So lesson learned. So literally they lay me down. And when I say I'm squeezing this nurse's hand, it's not like a contraction. It doesn't like come and go. It's just radiating, writhing pain through my body. I'm now at about a 17. I vomited. My blood pressure's through the roof. They're like, you are sweating. You have a fever. My fever went up to like 101. So they're like, you do have a fever. So it could be appendicitis. So I'm like, my appendix is rupturing. I'm becoming septic. This is what's happening. So 
then they're like, oh, we have to start breakfast service because we're about two hours out. So we're going to have to move you down. We're going to make a little section for you. So they take a bunch of mats and a bunch of pillows where there's two jump seats right by the exit doors, but there's a curtain. So I guess that's where like, you know, crew member takes a quick little nap. They lay me down and they were able to call down to a doctor on the land and they're able to give me, imagine if you took like a Tylenol 10 you know, or an ibuprofen 800 milligram. They give me that. That's not working. I'm still vomiting. So like, we're going to give her a tramadol. Tramadol, I think is a little anti-nausea painkiller, or it could just be a painkiller. They give me that. It gives me like, I go from a 17. Now I'm down to like a 12. I'm still over 10, but I can at least sort of catch my breath. I literally had a moment laying down. I said out loud, I said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this. I rebuke this feeling. I rebuke what is happening to my body. I'm not ready to meet my maker. I love my dad. I miss him. I'm not ready to be with him fully. I got to finish the tour. I got to have a baby. I want to get married in Italy. I literally saw my entire life flash before my eyes. This is not being dramatic. I'm not overselling this fucking story because I'm trapped. I'm trapped in a fucking silver tube. I'm trapped in an airplane. I knew we couldn't turn around. I knew we were halfway in between New York and London. I wasn't going to fuck up 400 other people on this flight's vacation. I was still being selfless and thinking about everybody else. But I said, God, I cannot handle this. I cannot handle this. And I started to sort of black out. I was like coming to, and they keep checking on me. And I'm like, listen, I think my blood sugar is low. Can you get me a Sprite? They're like, we don't have Sprite. We have lemonade. I'm like, I don't give a fuck what it is. Just get me something with sugar and bubbles. So they bring me a lemonade Sprite. And I said, listen, let me know when is the last possible second I need to buckle into my seat. And they said, we're going to have an ambulance ready for you when you land. And of course, this whole time I'm apologizing. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so embarrassed. I can't believe you guys are having to deal with this. And they're like, don't apologize. But you know, you're probably pregnant. Like they just kept reminding me that I was pregnant, which at this point I'm pissed. And I'm like, if I am pregnant and this is how I'm finding out by my body betraying me on a fucking transatlantic flight then this baby and I are going to have a lot of issues. Do you know what I'm saying? Like this baby is a little baby bitch. So they call the ambulance. They're going to be there when we land. They sit me back in my seat. I know we're making our like final descent. So they sit me back in my seat and my poor seatmate's like, Heather, where you been? You've been gone for like like the whole flight. And I was like, Hey, Chris, just need you to know I'm dying. I think I have, my appendix is ruptured. So I need you to shut the fuck up and just hold my hand. So literally Chris is like, yeah, he's like squeezing my hand. He and I are having an intimate moment. And it it was almost like I could see us breaking through the clouds. I was like, this is the longest, this is truly the longest landing I've ever been a part of in my entire life. We land and I've, I just take a deep sigh of relief. I'm like, I'm on land. Someone is going to pop something in my body and relieve the pain that I am feeling. It's getting worse. It's not better, but now the tramadol is kicked in and I feel super fucked up. I have a barf bag in my hand in case I projectile vomit again. They come on the overhead speaker again. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to London Heathrow Airport. The time here is 10.05 a.m. Greenwich time. I think that's what it is. Thank you so much for choosing Virgin Atlantic. Please stay seated. We do have a medical emergency on board and paramedics are going to have to come on board. So please stay to the right hand side. Our left aisle is going to be occupied. We have to get the ambulance on. Heather McMahon has an atopic pregnancy and we're 99% sure she's got a baby in her fallopian tube. So wait, what's that? Oh, the captain's come out. Hold on one second. Now the captain comes out. The captain comes out when I say this guy was fucking Rico Suave. He was the most gorgeous man I had ever seen. 
Okay. We've landed. The second captain comes out and like, hold on. What's that? You can literally hear them talking. Yeah, no, it's probably a baby in her flabby do. Uh-huh, right, okay. Well, hey, good to see you, Charles. God, you're good looking. Like, I can hear them talking about how good looking the captain is and I can see him and I'm fucking mortified. Like, all right, and thank you for choosing Virgin Atlantic. Have a beautiful, lovely cherub-filled day. So then the pilot comes out. He's like, all right, you're not feeling good, right? So people are now getting off the flight to the right-hand side. I'm on the left, right by the door. This guy is so fucking good looking. I'm like, of course, of course the captain is my future husband. Sorry, no hate, no shade to Jeff, but this guy is like a fucking 45 out of 10. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, of course he's my husband. This is how it had to happen. He's like, not feeling well. I'm like, go fuck yourself. I'm about to vomit again. So then the ambulance comes on. People are filtering off to the right. I'm causing a scene to the left. Ambulance comes on and they have to do customs while I'm sitting on the flight. So they're doing customs. Megan, the sweet young paramedic comes on asking me the same questions. So I tell her everything that's going on with me. She's taking my vitals. Then another person from like the airport. I don't know if they're like customs patrol trying to make sure that I'm not making up this story. I have to then tell this other woman my 15 minute sob story of like what's happened to me. Then someone else comes on. I'm like, why can't Megan, the paramedic who sees that I'm at a level 14, just tell the other two people what's wrong with me. So I'm standing up in the cabin. I'm like, listen, I've flown internationally a ton. I'm almost at diamond status. Like I'm almost there. This is not like I had a a nervous breakdown on a flight. I've never felt this kind of pain. So the paramedics, so I think that now people maybe aren't believing me, but I'm like, fuck it, just get me to a hospital. Let me put it this way. Everyone's being really cheeky with each other. Like, I love the British sense of humor. You just, you know, they always like want to have a laugh. They take the piss out of each other, which we really should do more in America, but everyone's so fucking sensitive. But it kind of got to the point where they're like, hey, Ronnie, Ronnie, oh, what? You think you're going to be on the BBC because you're such a fucking wankster. And you're like, shut the fuck up, Ronnie. This isn't time for you to test out your new five minute set to be on Last Comic Standing England. I can't handle this right now. So then they tell me, they're like, all right, so you're going to have to come back to Heathrow to get your bags. But I hear that. And I'm like, fuck it. I don't care if I get my bags on Tuesday. Just get me to the hospital. They put me in the ambulance. When I say the three kindest but dumbest people were helping me in this ambulance, it's three dudes. They put me in. And they're like, oh, love your hat. You look great. So tell me where you're from. And I think that they're probably just trying to have a conversation with me to get my mind off of what's going on, but it doesn't fucking matter. I'm like, I don't care. I can't think. They're like, all right. Okay. She's a little rude. And I'm still being super nice. Like, oh, it says here on the form, you're a comedian. Let me hear a joke. You got a joke. And I look at this guy and I think I had turned so green. So I was like, all right, I'm not going to even try it. And then he turns around to the two guys who are driving the car. He's like, she's a comedian, but I don't think she's up for a joke right now. (laughs) Steve, we're going to get it though. Everyone's just fucking cracking goddamn jokes. I am at a point where I have a sort of sense of relief because I know I'm on my way to just eventually getting my leg cut off. This is a topic pregnancy taken out of me, like whatever the fuck they think's wrong with me. I'm like, just take my legs off. I need my legs, but at this point, just take them off. Because as long as something is just taken off my body, then I'll just feel better. Like I didn't even know how to feel. So then the guy's like, all right, so do you want morphine? I knew I needed morphine, but I didn't want it because morphine, I'm like, I'm just going to start projectile vomiting again. So he's like, we have laughing gas. You want some laughing gas? So the guy just hooks me up to laughing gas. If you ever had laughing gas before, it's a fucking good time, but it's also like a little bit of a mind fuck because it just makes you feel super woozy. So they give me laughing gas. And at this point, I'm truly just 
beyond. I know I'm on my way to the hospital. I'm woofing on this laughing gas. And I just have this moment. I'm even now starting to crack jokes. Laughing gas doesn't make you laugh, but it just makes you kind of not give a fuck. And I look at this guy and I'm like, dude, what's up? And now I'm starting to sound like my, my bunk mate, my seatmate, Chris, who's on edibles. And I'm like, you know what? What's your name? He's like, I'm Edgar. I'm like, Edgar, what a fucking start to a vacation. But you know what I want you to know? God is good and we're going to make it. He's like, you're right. I'm a born again Christian, just like Kanye West. Jesus is king. You're right. So we're having like a deep philosophical conversation. The two guys in the front couldn't be nicer. It was like the movie Princess Bride or like Spamalot. I've got one guy that looks like Hodor. This tiny Indian dude who can't be more than five, two. And then this other guy who's probably in his sixties who's actually in the back of the ambulance with me who looks like kind of like sting, but if sting got hit in the face a couple of times, that's who's helping me. So I've got Hodor, tiny Indian man and beat up sting helping me. They couldn't be nicer. I felt like they were dumber than a brick, but they could not have been nicer. So they wheel me into the hospital. Next comes Mark. Mark, he's not a porter and a porter in a hospital is somebody who transports you from like, like room to room. But this guy, Mark comes up, he's like, all right. And again, everyone just comes in. All right. How you doing? He's like, well, somebody's not having a great start to the Friday. Are you? And I come in with half my luggage. Now the rest of my luggage is at Heathrow. I'm like, Mark, I'm not, I need to see somebody. I think it's either my appendix all of the things. So he's just having like a cool, calm, collected conversation. I'm sitting in a seat. I said, Mark, I need to get into that bed. So they put me on a gurney and I'm like, all right, now you can have a conversation with me. Then Mark's just like, all right, wow, you got kind eyes. He kept saying I had kind eyes, which made me think this is when I die. I feel like that's what they say to you right before you pass. You've got kind eyes. You were a good person. And you gave back to your community. And then they slowly put their two fingers like a peace sign over your eyelids, shut your eyelids. And then you go and you cross over to the rainbow bridge. I was like, this is it. This is where he just closes my eyelids. And Mark maybe, you know, lifts up my shirt and checks out what my titties look like. But, you know, nobody else in the hospital knows that he did it. But then he still makes sure that like he puts a rosary bead on my body as they lower me into the the ground. You know what I'm saying? So then the doctor comes in. So I can't even tell she's a doctor because she's a sweet Ukrainian woman, but she doesn't have anything on. She's not necessarily dressed in scrubs. Truly, she looked like a candy striper. She had like sort of a vest on, but she had normal sneakers on, kind of sweatpants. Nothing said scrubs about this woman. She's from the Ukraine. Okay, let me do my Russian accent. Okay, I always do this to get into accent. She comes in, she says, okay, what's happening? I'm like, ma'am, Mark's seen my chart. Edgar's seen my chart. Rachel's seen my chart. Emily has seen it. Megan's seen it. Can somebody just look at my fucking chart? Because I can barely get out the words right now. So I tell her what's going on. She's like, okay, all right, okay. Maybe we figure out. (laughs) I'm like, yes, maybe we figure out. They take blood. They take urine. She's doing an abdominal ultrasound test. She's pushing on my appendix. It's not my appendix. We rule that out because when she pushes on it, it doesn't pop back. And I don't like start immediately projectile vomiting. She's like, it could be a giant ovarian cyst. I said, I had them before. She's like, we're going to figure it out. Now, here's the deal. In London, the healthcare is free. When I say it's free, I mean, I did not pay for a thing except my $9 worth of codeine. All you pay is for your prescription and that's still cheap as fuck, okay? Cheap as absolute fuck. So anyways, she's starting to do all sorts of tests on me. I'm there and and I feel like a sort of sense of relief. Now, they don't give me any painkillers when I'm in there because I don't even ask for it. I'm like, I just want to figure out what the fuck's going on. So everybody's just coming in and out. 
That's what it is. They're just coming in and out. It's a shit show. I don't know what's happening. And they keep just moving me around. So I'm admitted now into the ER. Thank God I got there when I did. I got there before, I guess, the Friday rush. So I immediately get seen, which thank God. But okay, so the hospitals are free, which is great. I I can't figure out free healthcare is fantastic, but I was just ready to swipe my Amex because I had called the day before and increased my limit because I knew I was going to like live my best life in Europe. But I say that for two parts. One, the hospital looked like it survived the war. Like it was definitely a hospital from like 1940. And then on the other end, like, thank God it was free. I do think I got great care, but it was not, I did not feel as elevated, if you will, if you were in the States. Now, we still had wonderful care, but it was a little like, you know, there were like tumbleweeds going down the hall <laughs> a little bit. Still did not know who my doctor was, but felt oddly safe. Let's also say this. They put me on oxygen again. They're starting to figure it out. Okay. The gyno comes in. She's kind of a bitch. I'm going to be honest with you. The way she would respond to me, I said, Hey, I've had ovarian cysts before. So I, okay, I hear you. Like she wasn't, everybody else was cheeky. Everyone's cracking jokes. They're all just trying to have a laugh. You know, we're all like having a moment, even though I'm dying, I'm still having a positive conversation with everyone. The gynecologist comes in. She's got long red hair. She's young. She's got on like Burberry boots. And I'm like, "Mm -hmm, I know we're not going to have a moment. Everyone asked me, are you pregnant? And I'm like, you just took a blood and urine test. I'm not pregnant. She's like, have you been pregnant before? I've never been pregnant. All right. Do you have any STIs? Everyone kept asking me my sexual history. Literally when I told the woman, I said, ma'am, I honestly have never had a sexually transmitted disease. I'm in a loving, committed relationship with the same man of nine years. Like, I think they thought I was lying about being pregnant or having horrific gonorrhea, like stage seven gonorrhea. Because when this OBGYN came in, when this gynecologist came in, she looked at me as if I was just riddled with warts inside my womb. And I'm like, look, so that we're going to do a full vaginal pelvic exam. We've already done an ultrasound on the outside. We're going to need to do a vaginal ultrasound. When you have cysts, you know, or if you're pregnant, you've had 65 vaginal ultrasounds. They basically take a wand that's the size of like a weed whacker, something that you would use to trim your hedges and the side of your sidewalk. They use that in your vagina. Okay. Obviously without the blade, but they stick that up in you. Long story short, this woman's like, all right. So I can hear her talking to her colleague outside, like the two women on the flight, like it's probably atopic pregnancy and she's probably pregnant and she probably has riddled with gonorrhea, but she's not telling us because she's a whore. So they come in, they do a vaginal exam. Now, mind you, this is when I knew the hospital was a touch, like, I don't know, maybe not up to date. She's like, so this is kind of embarrassing, but we don't have a light. You know, when like when you're having an exam and they have that giant light, she's like, so can we use your phone? She asked to use my iPhone to use the giant flashlight. She said, clearly we're not taking photos. I'm gonna have my colleague hold it, but I just need to use your flashlight so we can look into your vagina. (laughs) I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Sure, at this point, I don't even give a fuck if you take photos and, and- and put them on the internet because I want people to know I'm not making this shit up, all right? And I need to prove to y'all and everybody in this hospital, I'm not riddled with gonorrhea. So they open it up, they do a pap smear and she immediately says like, she takes a sigh of relief like, oh yeah, there's nothing. Her vagina looks totally normal. No warts, no little mites or maggots. Maggots with an M. You know, I thought she, I don't know what she thought she was gonna find down there, but it was a normal, healthy vagina. If there's one thing I can pride myself on, it's that my pussy good. You know what I'm saying? And if you've had an STI before, that's fine. You know, shit happens. Thank God for penicillin. So the nurse is holding my fucking flashlight 
on my own phone to see my vagina. And she's like, all right, so we're going to do a CT scan. They wheel me off to do a CT scan and they just leave me in the hallway for like two hours, but I'm fine. At this point, I'm delirious. I'm Instagramming. People are messaging me left and right. Now, mind you, my buddy, Chris Kettner, who is my producer on my tour, is the only person I messaged. I messaged him and the people I was technically traveling with when I was up in the air. And then as soon as I texted Chris, I said, Chris, we have a 911 situation. I need you to figure out how I can get to a hospital as soon as I land. We lost internet. So Chris is like, I'm on it. I got it. I wasn't going to text my mom. I wasn't going to text Jeff because I didn't want anybody else to worry. Chris is my friend of like 12 years. He's a warrior. He's with me on the road. He knows what I need. And I was just like, Chris can handle this in an appropriate situation and knows London well enough that I'm going to let him know I'm not going to freak my mom out because my mom would just be running around John's Creek, Georgia being like, what the fuck do we do? You know? So anyways, they wheel me into a CT scan. They can tell it's not my appendix. And so they do the vaginal ultrasound. They're like, you have a cyst on your ovary. That's huge. It's like four centimeters. People have had cysts that are like the size of grapefruits. They're like, we can't tell if this one torqued. So it's called ovarian torsion. It's basically where your cyst and your ovary get twisted and they twist up like an Auntie Anne's pretzel that you get at the mall that's covered in butter and smells like heaven. That's what happened. They think either that happened or another smaller cyst behind it ruptured. And When I say that I have gone to the interwebs, when I talked about this on Instagram, women messaged me and said, Heather, I dropped in the middle of the mall. I literally passed the fuck out on at a roller skating rink when I was 11. My friend, I mean, I hope she didn't mind that I share this. Busy Phyllis messaged me. She said, Heather, I blacked out and passed the fuck out and had to be rushed to the hospital when I had that. So I am now feeling like, all right, I'm being vindicated. I now know that what I was feeling was a normal sensation of pain. I'm like, okay, people who've been through this understand this is the worst thing ever. And they, guess what? They're like, there's nothing we can fucking do for you. They say, we can give you codeine. This is probably going to happen again. We can't tell if it's ruptured. You don't have enough fluid around your uterus, around your ovarian sac or whatever the fuck is in my body. Like there's not enough fluid to show that it's ruptured. So we think it was probably a torsion where it basically twists into a pretzel and then it twists back. But they're like, right now it's twist back. And now my pain is starting to go down. So I'm like, all right, clearly this thing has flipped itself back over like a little kidney bean. But I look at the woman, I go, do I have an atopic pregnancy? And she's like, no, no, you don't. I'm like, gotcha, bitch. Told you. So I don't even want to hear it right now. Okay. But they're like, there's nothing we can do. They're like, you're shit out of fucking luck. So at this point, I'm like, I just want to get the fuck out of here. I want to get out of here. I want to go to the fancy hotel that I have booked. It's now about 5 p.m. No, it's about 4 p.m. So I'm checking out of the hospital. They're like, we're going to give you codeine. Codeine's a real fucking deal. So they decide to give me codeine. I go down to the pharmacy checkout. Mind you, I'm like, who's going to swipe my credit card? They're like, it's free. Welcome to England. So I'm like, that's at least nice. I was in a, you know, World War One hospital and everyone was super lovely. Don't get me wrong. I had a great quality of care. But when I had to use my own cell phone flashlight so they could look at my vagina, I was like, we might be like a touch back in the past, but still again, wonderful quality. Thank you to the staff. I'm not going to complain. But at one point I was kind of like, can I just get an IV and like some coding and get the fuck out of here? About two weeks ago, I was on Instagram and I asked y'all to download this app called Mass. And it's really innovative and super smart. Basically, since I came on this European trip, I needed to ask essentially a big group of people, hey, what's the best book bag to carry your computer that I can then attach, of course, to my away luggage for my carry-on? So I went on the app, I asked a question, and then everybody just like chimed in in their response, was sending me like a photo of the best bag, a link to it, 
all of those things. I got to be honest with you. I'm blown away by this app because the cool thing is it cuts out the bullshit. It cuts out the fluff of like recommendations. You know, when you go online and then you're looking for specifically like I need a computer bag for my 15 inch MacBook Pro and then all you get is ads. Well, the great thing is on mass, that's not it. You're asking a group of like-minded people. Like I had a 75 people chime in and say, hey, get this bag from what is it? Lily and Drew. Get this other bag from Target. Literally, there's like high, low options. So it shows you all of the things. Like, so say there's three bags that people recommended. It shows you the top three. Everything's calculated for you. And then I can literally go click on the link and then say, hey, wait, that's exactly what I need. I need a Target bag. It's 50 bucks. Da, da, da. Let's do it. Let's log out. Mass is really, truly, when it comes to beauty products, kind of my go-to. I see what other people have already asked. It's like a really cool community. You don't have to deal with the fluff, right? So you go on there, you click, you say, hey, what's the best night cream for people in their 20s? And everybody will chime in and give you their best response. And then it just cuts through the fat. You get to see, hey, do I want Drunk Elephant? Or do I want this from Lancome? Or, ooh, am I going old school, like that Clinique, you know, different moisturizing gel? It's all there for you. I think it's a really great app because I'm getting real real-time answers from people who actually use the real products and not some other person trying to sell you something, download the app. If you could just go to their Instagram at shop underscore mass and check them out. Download the app. It's really cool. I really just want you guys to check it out for yourself and send me your feedback. I find it super helpful and a cool way to now get to like the bottom of what I actually need and want and cut through the bullshit. But again, check it out at shop mass at shop underscore mass, M-A-S-S-E, and download the app and live your best life. Chabella. I go down to get my drugs. The guy's like, right, you're not having a great time because I'm also wheeling my own luggage. Now, mind you, I was alone for this entire process. My friends were like three hours outside of London making their way back, but it, no, they couldn't get to me quick enough. And honestly, I was like, y'all enjoy your vacation. I'm a bad bitch. I got this. And I kind of had an epiphany later. Everyone was messaging me like, I can't believe you're alone. I can't be believe you're alone. And I finally had this moment where I was like, I do so many things alone and I am so not reliant on other people. It's kind of a mind fuck for me. And I'm not saying that to toot my own horn, but Toot toot. Anybody else on that independent bitch train, you got a one-way ticket to nobody's really helped me in my life. So I'm going to keep going. Like anytime I've had a medical emergency, my mom's one of those moms who absolutely cannot handle it. So I would just go and then tell her later. Jeff cannot handle it. I mean, for fuck's sake, when I asked Jeff to pick me up some painkillers, he brought me back a two pack of Advil. So I'm texting Jeff. Jeff now knows that I'm in the hospital. He's panicking. I'm like, Jeff, this is what happened. They think it's an ovarian cyst rupture or a torsion. They're giving me codeine. He's like, oh, I, you know, just sweating, pulling out his like last few strands of hair. I can't believe this was happening. I'm like, well, it happened. And I made it through and I'm on codeine right now. And I'm flirting with the really hot pharmacist. Mind you guys, I'm just going to throw this out there. If you're single, I know I say go to the Delta Sky Club, but maybe also just come to England. The guys here are fucking hot. They're sophisticated. They all have good jobs. And honestly, they're down to fuck. Like I looked so fucking rough, but I still looked chic because I had my lack of color hat from Show Me Your Moo on and was wearing my all black jumpsuit from Old Navy because that's my chic look. And I was getting flirted with left and fucking right. Like the pharmacist and I, legit, if I had not like vomited on my own self and still had puke on my Adidas, we would have fucked. I'm just saying like with the eye contact and the flirting that we made, 
I was feeling something. He was feeling something. We were about, we were down to clown. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't cheat on Jeff because I love him. But regardless, in my mind though, I was like, I'm a survivor. I'm going to fuck him. I'm going to get codeine and have an affair. You know, that's what was playing in my mind. So I get the medicines. Like, That'd be nine pounds. I'm like, it's only $9 for codeine? Are you kidding me? Do you know what little Wayne pays for codeine on the black market? Hundreds of dollars. Do we have an opioid crisis in America? Yes. Does codeine make me feel like I want to scratch my skin off? 100%. Was I down to fuck with it? You bet your ass. I popped two and I was like, let's go. So then I'm alone. So I'm having this like this world epiphany. I'm walking out of the hospital. I'm like, I did all of this shit by my fucking self. And honestly, had I had somebody there with me, it would have been fucking annoying. And I'd have been like, I just apologizing the whole time because that's what we do as women. We apologize for things. Well, you know what? Moving into the future, I'm not apologizing for shit. I went through the worst pain of my life alone like Wendy Williams did when she found out her husband of like 20 years got another woman pregnant. I Wendy Williams the fuck out of that hospital stay. So then I have to go back to Heathrow and go back through customs to collect my bag. I have to call this guy from Virgin Atlantic who's giving me like bad directions on how to get to where I need to go. Long story short, I have to go back through, get my luggage. I'm just sweating. At this point, I'm like, do I, am I going to vomit again? I get all my suitcases. I get an Uber and I just literally get in the Uber. And that's when it hit me. That's when it hit me that I had just survived the day from hell. And I just kind of start weeping to myself like a soft, like, oh my God, what? You know, that kind of gentle Meryl Streep in an Oscar winning moment. But like the build up to that Oscar winning moment, that's the soft cry I had to myself. The Uber driver turns around. Now, mind you, to find an Uber, you have to go up to like parking level three, row four, QA to the left. It's very hard to find where you're supposed to get your Uber picked up at Heathrow. And still, even in that moment, I'm like, I have my hospital band on. I just vomited for the last six hours, found my appendix ruptured. I'm still dragging two suitcases and navigating how to get to the car park so I can get picked up by the Uber. And that's when I finally sat in the back of this Prius and the guy turned around and I was like, where to miss? I'm like, the Nobu shortage hotel. It hit me. And I had this sigh of relief and the codeine kicked in. And I just said, I just fucking went through that. I'm not on the other side of the rainbow bridge. I'm on the other side of the fucking pond. And I'm a warrior bitch. And I just did that, you know? And the guy's like, you're right. And I said, yeah, I'm fine. We're going to make it. Joaquin, drive, sir. Just drive. And we had like a tender moment where he's like, yeah, you're going to be okay. All right. Also, it's two and a half hours of traffic through London because it is 530. So buckle up. Hope you got a snack. Thank God I did have a snack. And um, I fell asleep in the back of the cab and woke up at the note. And I did tell him, I said, sir, I haven't slept in 24 hours. Oh, yeah. Mind you, I haven't been asleep. I've been awake this entire time. I said, sir, you look like you have kind eyes and you're trusting. I've also shared my location now with my buddy, Jared, who's on his way into London. I said, my buddy knows where I'm going. I'm going to fall asleep in the back of this Uber. Please don't rape and pillage my body. Well, I mean, if you did, you wouldn't get gonorrhea because I don't have it. So that's just a heads up. But side note, just take me to the Nobu Hotel. So he takes me to the Nobu Hotel and he he looked at me though and he said, no, you're safe. You're in angel's arms. I got you. All right, let's go. And just floors it. Two hours later, because the traffic was so bad, I wake up at the Nobu Hotel. I check in and I ordered so much room service. I ordered so much room service. When the lady brought the cart up, she brought four pieces of cutlery, like four napkins with four knives, spoons, and forks. 
Because I was like, fuck it. I'm getting that Nobu service. I called my friends. They're like, do you want to come out to dinner? They, they were checking on me, of course. I'm getting 6,000 phone calls because now everybody's waking up in the States and like, oh my God, are you alive? Are you okay? What's happening? I said, listen, I'm going to put my phone on Do Not Disturb. I just need this coding to kick in. I'm now, my pain's come down to like a level three so I can breathe, I can manage it. And honestly, I just started to fucking ball my eyes out in the sense I was like, the way that I felt 48 hours ago was so traumatizing. I can't believe that I made it through. I kind of felt like I wanted to puke again, just simply from the fact that I was like adrenaline rush, codeine, had 16 sashimis, but then I, I took a bath and I never take a bath. I'm kind of one of those people where I like to shower because if I take a bath, I still got to get in the shower. Even if I'm in the nicest bath in the world, I'm still sitting in my own filth. And I like to wash my hair. So I got in the bath, I soaked, I took a minute, I got in the shower, I put on my kimono robe, which is what they actually give you. They give you a soft, gentle really high thread count kimono. So that's not me being racially insensitive. They give you a kimono at the Nobu hotels, which if you've never stayed at a Nobu hotel, check them out. They're really crazy expensive. But if you get the hookup, if you know somebody, I mean, this it's worth it. And I will say this, I had that aha moment. I was going to stay in the Airbnb with Jared and Taylor and them, but I'd have to share a bed with my girlfriend, Taylor. Not a big deal, but I just knew I was going to have a long two weeks ahead of me. So I was like, I'm going to book a hotel for myself. Thank God I did. Because I, A, didn't want to put my friends through this. And B, I was like, that's the moment where I realized, hey, y'all listen, even if you don't have a pot to piss in, just self-care. Take care of yourself. Spend the extra $3. What are you going to do? Take it with you over to the Rainbow Bridge? My buddy Raymond's texting me. He's like, you knew you should have booked a pod. He's like, fuck it, Heather. You don't need a retirement plan. We're burning the earth down. The environment's like, we're literally not going to have trees in another two years. Spend your fucking money. You're making it now. Like, live your truth. Get an upgrade at Nobu. And they upgraded me, which was phenomenal. But I did have that moment where Ray's like, Heather, I told you, if you would have just fucking not been a cheap bitch and gotten the pod, none of this would have happened. And I'm like, he's probably right. This was God telling me, spend your money. There is no point. You work too fucking hard. You have hustled for too long. You have scraped, pillaged, literally clawed your way to where you are and you continue to claw. Do not, not treat yourself right. I wrap myself in my sweet kimono, finished off my last piece of yellow tail with jalapeno sashimi, took one last codeine, chugged a Fiji, crawled into bed. And I literally look up to the sky and I said, Heavenly Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for bringing me through, for helping me realize that I can do anything. And we're going to live to see another day. Please tell my father I'm not ready, but I knew he had my back this entire time. God is good. God is great. Thank you for this day. I'm going to have tea with the queen tomorrow because I'm manifesting it. And now the codeine's kicking in. Night, night. And I fell asleep at 8 p.m. and then woke up at 6 a.m. to probably 1,500 phone calls and messages. But moral of the story is, ladies and gentlemen, I've walked you through what happened to me. I did it. I'm here. I'm alive. You can do it. Three couple last things and then I'll let you go from the podcast. One, we went and had tea at Harrods the next day. I just said Harrods, so like Northeastern. Harrods, you know how they say almonds? Harrods. We went to Harrods. We tried to go to Sketch for tea, but it was totally booked. So we went to Harrods. Honestly, my friend Taylor described it the best. She's like, Harrods is kind of like an upscale cheesecake factory. Like that was the vibe. A lot of tourists 
just a lot of things going on. Also, Harrods is completely claustrophobic. Like, yeah, it's a beautiful department store, but there's no fucking windows anywhere, period. And I kind of had a little bit of a panic attack because I still wasn't feeling great. And I was trying to muster through. But between the tea sandwiches and the fact that I had too much caffeine with like six cups of tea, I was like, this is too much. I need some real food. I need some fish and chips. I need a chug of Guinness. Guys, I'm not into the tea sandwiches. I like a baguette. I like a crunchy bread with a soft center. I like, you can put all the mushy stuff, the egg salad, the cucumbers with cream cheese. You can put the the chicken salad all in that, but I don't like a white soft bread. To me, it was mush. And I believe all the custards and the scones with the colada cream were great, but I was just getting so nauseous eating the mushy bread. And I said, I don't know why we just paid like 75 bucks a person for this. I love tea. I love the art of luxuriating. I'm going to have tea every fucking day now, but I think I like it a little bit more Italy style. I like an afternoon. You stand at the bar, you have an espresso, you have a biscotti, you have a a pastry. I like that. This whole eating soft, mushy sandwiches, not into it. Respect it, Elizabeth, her majesty. I respect it, but your girl's not really down to do that clown. You feel me? Give me a panini with some prosciutto, mozzarella, and then a cappuccino. And that's just what I'm saying. That's me living my truth. And I told you, now that I've survived, I'm going to always speak the truth. I spoke the truth before, but now I'm really going to be honest because life is too short to lie. And those are the facts. That's the tea. So anyways, I'm heading to Italy this week. I've got to do wedding planning. I don't know what's going to happen with my ovaries. It could happen again. I have my codeine. Stay tuned. Thank you for sending me love and light. Thank you for sharing your stories. We're not going to get to the voicemails today because I felt like I've just really needed to have a conversation with y'all and update y'all on where I've been. Thank you for letting me ramble. Thank you for supporting the podcast. I'm about to go do some shopping and get out and get some fresh air, but I just want to give y'all a full thorough update because people were absolutely so unbelievably concerned. And I realized that I kind of left y'all hanging. And also one last thing I'll say, nothing pisses me off more is than when you see like, and I'm just saying a celebrity because they have a lot of followers. When you see like a celebrity in the hospital and like, hey guys, and they put a photo of them on oxygen. They're like, hey guys, just want to let you know today's not been great. And they just, they don't tell you what's happening. So I try to be transparent about what was going on the whole time. Because honestly, at one point it just was like, I was like, this is great content. And that's how fucked up my mind is that I thought the whole time this is great content. But I truly thought I was like, this is great content. and. Let's go. But I wanted to be honest and open with y'all and let you know what happened to me physically because people didn't fucking know. I didn't know. They still don't fucking know. This could happen again on Tuesday. But say a prayer that it doesn't. Say a prayer that it doesn't. Because your girl's heading to Italy. I'm wedding planning and I'm hosting with my dear friend, Whitney, which you need to follow her on Instagram, the Blonde Atlas. She's an incredible travel agent. I don't even want to say travel agent. She's like a travel guru. We're hosting, I think like 30 people in Tuscany doing a tour of Tuscany and it's going to be crazy. Thank God my mom's coming so she can kind of pick up the slack of like the entertaining, I guess that I'm supposed to do. I was like, Hey guys, if you're coming on this trip, I'm going to have to kind of catch my breath. And like, I'm not going to be able to bust down Tatiana as hard as I thought I could. So just know that I'm ready to entertain everybody. But thank God Robin's going to be able to be a little bit of a court jester for me because your girl might have to take a backseat and kick her feet up for a couple of days. Follow my girlfriend, Whitney. It's the blonde underscore Atlas on Instagram. She's hosting the tour. Follow along on Instagram because it's going to be wild. I'm going to be in Italy. I'm going to be doing the most. Jeff's meeting me over there. He's seeing our wedding venue for the first time. Robin's going to be there. My godmother, Angela, we're truly going to be doing the most. Hopefully I don't end up back in the hospital. Say a prayer, light a candle, talk to your guardian angel. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for letting me explain what happened. So wellness update. She's alive. Not well. 
but she's going to make it happen. She's going to make it after all. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Absolutely Not Podcast. Signing off. Ciao, bella. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate us, and leave a review. And as always, follow me on Instagram at Heather K. McMahon. See you guys soon. 